This is the message from Connection Community Church for this Sunday, March 18th, 2012. Journey of Hope. Priority. Yeah, priority. That's our focus this morning as we continue traveling with Jesus on this journey of hope. And good morning, Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? God, thank you for bringing us here today. It's not by accident. Thank you for your grace that covers us, a a grace, a love that knows no bounds, that is unconditional, that is a gift that you give each one of us. Now, O God, help us open up our hearts, our minds, our souls as we focus on you. Help us be open to the message that you have intended for each one of us. It will be different. You are such an awesome God, and we give this time to you in Jesus' name. And all of Connection Church said, Amen. Okay, so one of our greatest challenges is keeping our priorities straight. And in other words, ordering our priorities. What's the order of importance of the things in life, the things we need to do, of the things that demand our attention? When we were in seminary, a long time ago, we had a lot of things demanding our attention. School, we both served in churches. We had four kids. We were both in school, uh, away at trying to keep it at not the same days of the week. And so basically, we tried to prioritize things in this way. And this wasn't true of some of our classmates, but for us, we tried to keep it in this priority. We'd put God number one, our family number two, church was down to number three, and all the way down to number four spot was school. You know, we had some classmates where school was seemed like it was number one. For us, it was number four. Then ourself was number five, and then the list kind of went on down from there. You know, um, there were some days when this shifted. For example, on the night before an exam, well, that really did need to be our focus, although I have to say uh, probably family or church did not suffer. Our sleep time did during that time, but um, it did increase a couple notches when some really big things were going on at seminary. And um, there were really, really important things going on at church, and maybe that kind of went over, well, we tried not to make it go over family, but there were times there's family sacrifice, and that happens. But I can tell you whenever whenever there was a game that any of them were playing, um, hockey or a concert that they were in, you know, that basically trumped everything, um, except when we were at school and we were separate, so that was good, so that we could divide and conquer everything. And even though there were temporary shifts in our priorities, this is what we really look to, and um, I hope... Uh, I, I guess it would be important to take a poll from our kids. We won't ask you right now, Aaron, if that's how it worked out, but that certainly was our attempt. Mm. And true for you, too. You have, just like we do, you have priorities, and you have a set and an ordering of those priorities, and, and they may shift some depending on other factors or temporary factors, but you probably have an ongoing kind of uh, way uh, of how your priorities are ordered. And, and the challenge when we go about listing our priorities or 
prioritizing those priorities is what's going to be at the top of the list? What's going to be at the top of the list? What's going to be number one? What is going to be our priority, our singular one most important thing on that priority list? Well, in Scripture, God makes this pretty clear, makes it pretty clear that God expects to be number one. There really isn't any negotiating on this one. In the Old Testament, God gave us Ten Commandments, and the very first commandment is, you shall have no other gods before me. It's kind of like, boom, end of story. That is absolutely true, simple, straightforward. We also see this in Deuteronomy. That's also a book in the Old Testament where we read, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Priority. Fast forward, Jesus is among the crowd, and he is asked, what is the greatest commandment? And he basically quotes Deuteronomy. When he says the same thing with just an addition, would you say the second um, part with me? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. When we order our priorities, God expects to be number one. That's pretty non-negotiable. No ifs, ands, or buts. But, unfortunately, that often doesn't take place. There's a story found in the book of Mark, and it deals with a man who is kind of challenged with his whole idea of what's going to be number one. What is your priority going to be? Here's, here's the story. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him, fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. And then he went on to say this. He said, you know the commandments. Hey, uh, say them with me there. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud honor your father and mother. And teacher, the guy declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. He's in clover, isn't he? He's got this licked. Jesus looked at him and loved him. That's a really important part of this verse. Jesus looked at him and loved him. And and this, you know he loved him because of what he challenged him with next. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. Say the rest with me, will you? He went away sad because he had great wealth. Boy, this is a uh, this is a tough story. This is a really challenging story. It's a story of priority. Priority. For the man in the story, it's tough because he was asked to let go of something that he is clinging to fiercely. He's being asked to adjust his priority. Jesus is asking him, is telling him to let go of the number one thing in his life and choose him, choose Jesus as number one. 
and the man can't do it. He can't let go of what he's clinging to. You know, I think it's a tough story for most of us because it's our story, isn't it? It's our story. Actually, it's been all of our stories at one time or another. It, it, It may not have been money or possessions, but then again, for many of us, it was or is. And if not money and possessions, then something, something so important then that for us to let it go is going to bring some great sadness. At some time or other, I think we've all had something that we've allowed to be more important than God at some time or another. Money, stuff, maybe it was a relationship, maybe it was a habit, maybe it was a hobby. Maybe it was a career, some kind of vice possibly. You can name it for your own self and your experience. A priority, and it wasn't our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. As we look at this story, it really does tell us a lot about ourselves. This guy, he was not a bad guy. He wasn't a bad guy. He wasn't a criminal. In fact, He was asking God such an important question. What can I do to inherit eternal life? What can I do to be with you forever? Isn't that a great question? Isn't that a question that we all ask at some time or other? What can we do? What can I do? And Jesus told him to follow the commandments. And he thought, yes, he was pleased because he had, in fact, done that. He had followed the commandments. He had done the right things. Another interesting thing about this scripture that in no way do we see that this man accumulated his wealth, that he became a a wealthy man because he had done anything wrong. He was just a hard-working guy, it seems. Having money was not his crime. Having money was not his sin. His challenge was... What was going to be his priority? What was going to be number one in his life? Because even though we have a lot of things to prioritize, just like we did back in seminary, you can only have one number one. Duh. That's why it's called number one, right? There's only one number one. And when we're heading to the cross on this journey of hope with Jesus... It's got to be him. It's got to be Jesus, God in the flesh, the Christ. He must be our number one as we travel with him to the cross. Unfortunately for, for this man, that was too much to ask. We're told that his face fell and he went away sad because he had great wealth. You know, it was more than having the great wealth. He had allowed that wealth to take priority over God. He had allowed that wealth to control him, to consume him, to own him. So we see in this story that his wealth was number one. It's not bad to have money. It's not bad to be wealthy. God wants us to have prosperity. 
But when the prosperity takes over the position of God, that is the problem. (laughs) And we read here that Jesus loved him too much. Jesus loved him too much to allow him to let his stuff be number one. But this guy just couldn't let it go. And so rather than experiencing the joy of the Lord, he went away sad. This is a really sad story. He went away sad. Well, as we said, sooner or later, we all face the challenge of what is going to be number one in our lives. And for many, maybe most of us, this idea of money, of possessions, of stuff is our greatest challenge. That's, that's probably why this whole idea of tithing is so difficult for many of us. Tithing where we keep 90 and we give 10% back to God, give 10% back to the church to be used for God's work there. That's why I think for many of us that is why it's such a challenge. Uh, and, and, and the thing is, it's not because we can't live on the 90%. (laughs) It's not because God's not going to take care of us when we're on the 90%. People over and over and over again have proven that we can live on the 90%. In fact, John Wesley, who started Methodism, proved you can live on the 10% and give away 90. (laughs) But we're not going that far. (laughs) The Scriptures call us to tithe, and and, and, and we can live on the 90. It's been proven. And, And not only live on it, but be blessed beyond measure living on the 90%, and yet many of us don't trust it. Many of us are hesitant. Many of us are skeptical. And that's because we've allowed money and possessions and our stuff to become our priority. And when we've done that then, then we've put God in a distant second place at best. At best. You know, it's, it's not only money and possessions. Um, sometimes it's a relationship that takes priority over God. Sometimes it's a job. Sometimes it's our career. Hmm. Yeah, I think that happened to me. I had a career with the Prudential and the insurance business. I think I've told you about it. I was an agent. I was a sales manager. You know, the beautiful thing about that, it's a commission job. You know, the beauty of commission, the harder you work, the more you make. What are you doing home tonight, <laughs> Alan? Get out there and work. Yeah. <laughs> Two things. I wasn't out, and I was disrupting her, her time with the kids, you know? And she had a, a system, and I was messing it up if I was home instead of on an appointment. You know? And, and the more you... It can be very um, enticing. The more you work, the more you make. The more you work, the more you make. And um, what's really interesting... Is this? I, I mean, I was committed, not just because I, I enjoyed it. And, and, and I thought that I would be retiring from that. I thought that was my career. In fact, I took classes in order to, uh, to, to do it better. Um, there's something in the insurance business called a CLU, three little letters you put after your name. Kind of like, in the insurance business, it's kind of like what a CPA would be for an accountant. It's, a, uh, it's called, stands for Certified Life Underwriter. It means you've taken like a series of 10 graduate-level classes and somehow passed them, so somehow you seem to be knowledgeable anyway. So I'd taken these classes, kind of self-study where we were, and, and it, first it was 
quickly when I was named, when I became a sales manager, it slowed down a little bit, but 12 years, 12 years I finally had achieved my CLU. I mean, this was important to me because I was going to make a career out of this. And, and you get this beautiful certificate suitable for framing for your office, you know? Looks really official. So everybody in the world will know that you're the CLU. And God's you also got, put those after your name. After, of course, on all your business cards, so everyone will know. God has such a great sense of humor, though. Because the day I got my certificate suitable for framing, I'm pretty sure was the same exact day that I had my first meeting with the District Committee on Ministry to talk about becoming a pastor. <laughs> Isn't that funny how that works? Because I think well, part of the reason God called that change in my life was because I'd gotten way uh, very focused on what I could make and how we could support the family in that way. And he wanted to make sure that I knew what was number one. And so he called me to make a shift. And so the day I got my official CLU <laughs> was the start of a new direction focused on him. Interesting, isn't it, how that works? Now, sometimes we've got to walk away from we've al- what we've allowed to become the one, number one in our lives in order to put God back into that number one spot. And so we um, go back to our scripture and we return to the Gospel of Mark. Now, after we heard about this uh, man who asked about eternal life, after this rich guy left, Jesus did some teaching to his disciples and he taught about wealth. Here's what Jesus says, Mark chapter 10. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? The disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, Children, I mean, he wasn't talking, he was like talking to everybody, Children, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed, probably confused, and said to each other, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. Say the next line with me. All things are possible with God. Well, then Peter spoke up. We have left everything to follow you. Truly, I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me. It's like their home for me. And the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much as in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields, along with persecutions, And in the age to come, eternal life. Say the last line with me. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. You see, Peter and his brother Andrew walked away from their fishing business when Jesus called them. So did James and John. 
And they didn't just walk away from the business. They walked away literally from their father. They left him on the boat, Zebedee. Others walked away from what they were doing. Not to mention the family they left behind. They, they all sacrificed. And so Peter points this out, telling Jesus that they left everything to follow him. Everything to follow Jesus. And Jesus tells them that those who have walked away from their homes, their families, their fields for him will receive a hundred times as much in this age. And, and along with persecution, boy, that's certainly something we want to cling to, isn't it? <laughs> along with persecution, they'll receive eternal life in the age to come. And then he says what's so important in all of his teaching, those who are first will be last. And the last First. Reminds me of a bumper sticker you used to see on, usually it was on a big honking truck. And it would say uh, something like this it says, um, The one who dies with the most toys wins. Maybe you've seen it. But there's a, a rejoinder onto that Yeah, but you still die. You still die. See, the one who gives it up for Jesus is truly the one who lives. Because the bottom line is this. We're sinners in need of a Savior. And no matter how much stuff we have, no matter how many toys we have, they won't save us. And we can't save ourselves. The only one that can save us is Jesus. Jesus saves. Two chapters later in Mark chapter 12, we have a story that is really the polar opposite of the one that, of the one of the man who couldn't let go of his stuff. Here's the story, Mark chapter 12. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything all she had to live on. I'm not sure if when we give out of our excess, we've put God number one. It's when we give sacrificially, when we truly sacrifice. That's when we can tell God's becoming a priority. Now, does that mean we're all supposed to go out this week, sell our homes, our cars, and put the proceeds in the offering bag next Sunday? For the garage. Yes, it does. <laughs> Boy, that'd be something, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, I'll just live here. <laughs> no, I don't really think, I'm just kidding, of course. I don't think that's what God calls us to do. I don't think that's what the story's calling all of us to do. Um, but I think God individually will let us know um, when there's something we need to let go of in order to make God number one. In the case of the story, for that guy, it was possessions. For some of us, it might be. 
It's been for us before in the past. Like our Uh, house? Yeah. We've allowed that to be priority one. And and I think not just giving it, but I think he calls us to dedicate all that we have to him, the stuff we do have, to to use it for God's glory, to to say, this is yours, God. Show me how to use it for your glory. Um, For us to realize that all we have is God's and to use it in that way. To, to make God number one in our lives and to basically get rid of whatever it is that's keeping that from happening, keeping that from happening, whatever it is. And so we go to our backpack this week, and we reach in and get two items, actually that are probably not in our backpack, but this is what we pull out as a symbol our appointment book, and our checkbook. Now, what we really probably should pull out is our, our smartphone for our appointment book and, you know, <laughs> or online we usually banking. do online <laughs> banking, but you get the point. Because when you want to know what your priority is, when I want to know what my priority is, I look at my appointment book or my calendar, and I look at our checkbook. And there are times when my calendar is so full that there is no time for God. Oh, I'm working in things of God, but there is no time for God. And so I've recently done a study that is helping me prioritize my time. And so I'm actually writing in an appointment like God time. Sometimes we need to do that in order to make sure that God is our priority. So the question is, is your priority, you know, what is it? What what should it be? If Jesus were to look into our appointment book or our checkbook, which he already has, like what would, would Christ be pleased? Are you spending enough time with him? Is Jesus your priority? I'm going to pull some another thing out of the backpack and Again, this probably wouldn't be something you'd be packing on the trail, but it's important this week. Yeah, they uh, agree with me, Alan. Carrie thought this was kind of hokey. Uh, nod your head if you think it's kind of hokey. See, Carrie, no, I didn't. All right, there's one head nod. Okay. One. Actually, it is kind of hokey, and that's the point. Because it's, it's to remember, and actually, if it was a, really for baseball, I was, I'd probably put Phillies instead of Rock. But you know, you know who we ought to have on here? should be Jesus, shouldn't it? You know, we carry them around for our sports teams or whatever. <laughs> but the one that it ought to say is Jesus the Christ, shouldn't it? And so we pull out this hokey reminder, hoping that when you think about what is number one in your life, it's not a team, it's not your home, it's, not, it's number one is Jesus, is and always will be. Jesus the Christ, the one who died for each of us, that we might live through eternity with him. Amen. Now, for some of you, might be going, amen, that is my number one. And praise the Lord, I would encourage you, before you leave today, if you're capable, get on your knees and say a prayer of thanksgiving to God. Thank you, God, for allowing me to know and to see the light and allowing me to let Jesus be number one in my life. A a prayer of thanksgiving because your life is new and changed. 
And I would also challenge to be a little humble about that. (laughs) On the other hand, if you're going, "Mm, I'm not sure I'm there. Prayer works that way too. (laughs) We'll encourage you to get on your knees for that and say, Lord, I'm not sure I've allowed Jesus to be number one. Please give me the strength and the courage to make that happen. Please prioritize my life. Please help me to let go of whatever it is that's getting in the way of allowing Jesus to be my number one. The steps are open. God loves it when we're on our knees. You've got a seat. You can pray from there. Steve and Deborah would love to pray with you back in the prayer corner back there. Just give us some thought. What's the number one during our final song? Pray thank you or pray Jesus, I need you or both. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Holy God, wow, priority. You made it pretty clear what's supposed to be our number one. Our challenge is making that happen. Look to you for strength. We look to you for courage. We look to you for all things necessary to take that junk out of our lives that's getting in the way of making you number one, of allowing Jesus to have that first place, that first and foremost place in our lives. Look to you, God, to to help us. And for those who have that number one, we thank you, we praise you, and we glorify your holy name. We ask these things in the name of our risen Savior, Jesus the Christ, and in the power of your Holy Spirit, All Connection Church said, Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at www.connectioncc.org. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life that he offers.